to About This Writing Thing, a weekly podcast about living the writing life. I'm your host, Sayward Bieler, writer for women, podcaster, and sick again. <laughs> well, I'm trying not to be sick, but I've got a little bit of something going on in my throat, so I apologize if um, I sound a little bit like frog during the recording. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. I am as you know, conducting research on my next novel. And I've already started the novel, but I'm not very far in. And what I've found with my research is that it's a very good thing that I'm not very far in because the research that I've been doing has completely reworked the entire beginning of the novel. So I've got a lot of things to figure out while I'm researching. (laughs) So today, episode 12, Yay, I never thought I would get this far. I I thought, okay, I'll do a few, and then I won't know what in the world to talk about. But here we are, episode 12, and today we're going to talk about, well, I'm going to talk about, and you're going to listen, I hope, conducting effective research. Now, these are for me. I haven't put, I haven't gone to other writers, read their lists and and compiled them and made my own. These are what I have put together over the years, both as someone who was training to be a historian and someone who was writing historical fiction. So all of these are my list. If they do kind of parallel somebody else's, that's awesome. That means maybe I'm on the right track. (laughs) If you have your own rules for, or guidelines, I don't really like to say rules because that makes it sound so definite. If you have your own guidelines for conducting effective research that you think would be beneficial to add to mine, or if you just like to discuss, leave me a comment below. That would be super fantastic. (laughs) So far, it's been pretty quiet, but I see people are downloading and listening, and and that is absolutely amazing. (laughs) I was so excited. I think 12 people downloaded episode 11, and I was like, oh my gosh, 12 people downloaded. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm going off topic, so you guys know I don't have a transcript in front of me. (laughs) What I do have in front of me, though, are my guidelines. There are eight. As writers, we're often looking through or across the web for information regarding one or more of the situations in our novels and stories. It's easy to get lost in there, and it's even easier to get your hands on bad information. Today, I am, of course, talking about my own process, the good and the bad, but probably mostly just the good. Let's keep it positive today, guys. So my first rule or guideline is to know your topic. It doesn't do you any good to go into research if you still don't know exactly what you need to research. For example, for this novel that I'm working on, putting together and and beginning, it is set in the 1950s. It is set in coal mining country and it, it involves a particular topic. So what I have been doing is researching the specific topic that, or the specific event, and also other events that occurred within the decade. I'm also looking into other areas that these events occurred so that I can just kind of see how they were handled in different places, how the community handled them in different places. But if I did not know my topic, this particular research, I mean, my research would be, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I looking for? Blah, blah, blah. So the first First foremost guideline, know your topic, because if you don't know your topic, then you're just going to be out there in this vast ocean of information and you're not going to know what to focus on. And with research, it's super important that you have that focus 
and you remain focused. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll get to that in just a little bit, but it can be tricky. The second guideline that I have is to establish what sources you'll use. Newspapers, journals, oral histories. Right now, I am using primarily newspapers. I use um I use a website called Genealogy Bank, and I found this website. I didn't really find it. I was advised to use this website by a historian when I was in a master's program for history. I contacted a historian that was writing about the topic that I was researching. I was reading his book. I had some questions about the way he was treating the subject. And he was, as historians and, and other writers often are when you're contacting them, not to tell them how fantastic they are, or please read my work or whatever. When you're contacting them to kind of pick their brains, maybe, I, I don't want to say that because even that is really touchy for some people. But specifically in the in the in the world of history, I have found that many historians are very open to speaking with writers and other historians about the topic that they've been writing about and researching. So I spoke with this historian and I said, how did you find this information? You have so many sources. And during our conversation, he basically, okay, first of all, he tore my whole thesis apart, not specifically, but just with what he was saying, I'm reading it and thinking, oh my God, my entire thesis is just gone now. Now I have to go back and have to look at everything again and so I ended up <laughs> I ended up going and and taking what he had told me and, and his particular summations and working them into mine and saying how it kind of derailed me a little bit but this is what I found not that that's important <laughs> but anyway he directed me to genealogy bank and it has census records up to 1950, which doesn't really help me with this particular subject because it does take place in the later 50s, but it has newspapers, newspaper articles from, I think the farthest back I've seen them go is the early, maybe early to mid 19th century. So you've got newspapers from the 19th century all the way up to today. And you can often find information that you would be looking for in the census records. You can often find those in obituaries, like when someone died, when they were born, things like that. So I use Genealogy Bank, and that's what I'm using to go through newspapers right now. And as I find out about particular people in the newspaper articles, I also try to look them up on Genealogy Bank because it, of course, genealogy, you can look up people as well. So I start with the newspapers. I read through. You can save articles in Genealogy Bank. It's a fantastic resource if you aren't aware of it. That's a really good one. There are a couple of others that do the same thing, but I'm not sure their names. I, I use Genealogy Bank. So in this particular instance, I won't need to use journals because the events that I'm writing about didn't cause any major, there hasn't been any major research into the events in particular. So I won't be using journals for this topic. I'm trying not to say too much. But one of the things that I will be, hopefully, fingers crossed, that I will be using next year when I go on my research trip 
for this novel are oral histories. And by oral histories, you can check with the archives in your state, see if there are any oral histories, interviews, things like that, that have been recorded about the event that you're writing about. Or you can even go on social media. This is one of the really great things about social media. You can go into these groups that maybe are centered in the region that you're working in and reach out and say, hey guys, do any of you remember this? And were any of your relatives involved? Do you have any family stories? Would you be willing to talk to me? And you can talk via the internet or in my case, I hope to be able to interview a couple of people at least when I go on my research trip. So newspapers and oral histories are going to play a large role in what I'm writing. But also books. I have tons of books. Because my book is set in the Appalachian region of the southeastern United States, I have a lot of books. I have about 10 books that were written about the people in this area that I'm working in. So I'll have the text that I can refer to as far as that's for getting to know the people because if you're going to write about a particular region and you're not making this whole world up, if you're going to write about a real region with real people, you need to do the due diligence and find out about those people. Even if you come from the area, which I do, I was born in in the region that I am writing about. I was born at a different time. I wasn't born in the 1950s. Appalachia changed so much from the 1950s to the time that I was born. I don't know those people in the 1950s. So I need to research and get to know them and get to get a feel of what people were like in that time period. So that's the really long guideline for number two. <laughs> that's the long explanation for the guideline <laughs> number two. But guideline number two itself is establish what types of sources you're going to use. Guideline number three goes back to number two and it, it actually goes back to my time at High Point University in the master's program for history. Avoid Wikipedia. I use Wikipedia for resources. So you can go look it up on Wikipedia. Go in. If you want to read it, you can. That's cool because, you know, sometimes they are really accurate. But I tend to avoid reading too much of them. But I do go to the resources because the resources are what's important. And you'll find, if you know someone who's been a history major or who's been training to be a historian, what you'll notice when they pick up a book is they turn to the back to immediately look at the resources because that is how you know how much information is available about this topic. So go to Wikipedia for resources, but try not to rely too much on the information that is there. And this is if you are writing a very historical heavy novel, which I am. It's set in the 50s. Now, if you're just kind of referring back, you can do a lot of soft research there. You want to make sure you're accurate. You still want to make sure that you know your people, but you have a little bit more flexibility if you're not writing straight up historical. <laughs> Guideline number four, read other novels on the topic. I actually picked up, I've been reading a lot of novels that are set in Appalachia, and I also have picked up a couple of books that concern my topic specifically, which I will tell you are coal miners in Appalachia. I've picked up a couple of books that the topic is about coal miners and their lives. So read those novels. Don't read too many of them because a lot of times I know some writers who say I don't like to read in my genre 
while I'm writing because I'm afraid that that author's voice will affect my voice. I totally get that. But I think in the research stage before you're really in there writing, I think it's okay and and I do it. Uh, it doesn't work for everybody, I'm sure, but I think it's okay to read other novels on the topic just as long as you make sure you're not including parts of that writer's narrative in your own which is a tricky situation. Guideline number five, utilize online image resources such as Pinterest for visual sources. Some people are very visual writers, so they like to have a picture of what they're, of their setting or their people. Some people will have pictures of celebrities that they envision playing the parts of their characters. I don't do that very often. I think I've done that with one book that was years ago. I just don't, I don't think I developed the physical attributes of my characters enough because I want to leave that up to the reader. So I don't really have that really clear picture of the character only because, you know, if it is made into a movie, I want to be able to not say, oh my gosh, I wanted so-and-so for that role. <laughs> <laughs> They're not interested. But it's really using Pinterest and using the web to find actual visual images of what you're researching and what you're looking into is a really great way to have an idea of that setting that I was just talking about. Seeing how things were set up. Seeing was it snowing that day? Was it snowing that month? Was it rainy? Was it muddy? What 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 does the landscape look like? And also, what do the people look like? Because you need to know kind of how they were dressing. How did they carry themselves? Were there some that were just very homespun? Were there people with money in this area? Could you, was there a distinct difference in how they stood in the picture? So I think that having these visual representations of, or not representations, but having these visual resources really helps to put us into the space where we understand the topic and the people. People because of course again the people are so important number six interview someone in the area of your topic or someone who went through or witnessed the event so when I say interview someone in the area of your topic that could be someone who is an authority on the situation so if I were writing about a particular topic and I wanted to get an academics view on it or if I needed to know about a medical thing talk with them to get a feel and a lot of times what you'll find especially with professional people is that they are willing to help writers develop these stories not the stories themselves but to make sure that they are following in line that you know this is as accurate as possible and uh, talking to someone who went through or witnessed the event that goes back to number two establishing your sources your oral histories if you speak to someone who went through the event or someone who was a child of the person who went through the event you'll be able to get an idea of how things were after this this thing happened and how it affected them through the years. I'm not saying spend hours and hours with them, but just, you know, have a 30 minute cup of coffee with them and try to figure out how that is going to work into your novel. Number seven, visit if possible, because I know a lot of people write about, you know, 13th century or whatever. Visit, if possible, the place from your research or one of the places. Now, this is something that I'm going to be doing next year. I'm planning a three-week trip to maybe two. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but I'm planning a trip, a research trip to a couple of areas that have to do with my novel and its topic. And I'm hoping... <laughs> to see the site where the main event from my novel takes place and the town 
where my characters live. I'm planning to see that, but I also am going to a couple of other places as well as the archives for that state so that I can get a feel for not just that particular town, but other towns that were like this town. And the final, the final guideline, maybe should be number two, or maybe it should be number one. This is one that they always, 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 you'll, you'll see researchers joke about this sometimes online. Don't go down the rabbit hole. I did this when I started researching my topic. This is so important because so much of what has happened in life is very interesting or you'll you'll see something written that really piques your interest and you're like but why or this person is mentioned here and then they're gone why I need to find out about this person even though they have nothing to do with what you're researching so it's very important while you're researching that you stick to rule number one, which is know your topic. If you know your topic and you stay hyper-focused on that topic and on what you need, then you're going to be less likely, less likely, I'm not saying it's not gonna happen, <laughs> but you'll be less likely to fall down the rabbit hole where you're just chasing all different types of leads that aren't going to take you back to your topic, that aren't going to do you any good. That's just wasted time. That's time that you could have been spent working on your novel. So, like I said, it doesn't always work. I actually had it happen to me the other day. I, I had it happen when I first started researching a month or so ago. I found a name of a woman who went into an asylum and then she was just gone. So then I was like, oh my gosh, what happened to her? So I, I chased her down a rabbit hole for about two hours and I thought, oh my gosh, I got it. This woman has nothing to do with what I'm doing. So I wrote her name down. Maybe I'll Maybe I'll do something later. But then the other day, I had something similar happen. I got to the edge of that rabbit hole and I was looking down and there were all these interesting little questions that I had, but they had nothing to do with the topic that I'm researching. So I had to back away. Again, wrote that down on a post-it and stuck it in my notebook because I might go back to it one day. But it's very, very, very important for me and for you. Do not go down that rabbit hole because there comes a time with research where you'll just keep researching forever or you'll understand that you're finished. And if you keep going down rabbit holes, you're going to be researching forever and you're never going to get this written. So it's very important. And maybe I should bump that up to my guideline number two. Number one, know your topic. Number two, don't go down the rabbit holes. Stay away, stay away from the rabbit holes. But ultimately, what's most important is to stay focused. You don't want to go down the rabbit hole because then you're going to just keep researching and keep researching and keep researching. And it's going to be a year and a half later and you won't have written anything on that novel. So I had to pull myself back the other day because I can get lost. I enjoy researching. I enjoy finding things out. And so I have to pull myself back and I recommend that you do the same. Well, that is everything that I have to talk about today. I do apologize for my constant intake of breath if I can't edit all of them out. I also apologize for my croaky voice, but I hope that this has been helpful or that you've just enjoyed my ramblings. <laughs> If you liked this episode, if you enjoyed it, please do me a favor and hit the like button. You can share. That would be super. I won't be mad at you for sharing with your friends. <laughs> I would actually appreciate it very much. That's all I've got for you this week. I hope that you will come back next week when I talk about my experience with critiques and what I think are some pretty decent critique tips. They've helped me. 
think they've been beneficial to the people that I work with. So that's what I'm going to talk about next episode. And I hope that you will be there. Thanks so much for listening. Have a super week, guys. See you next time. Bye.